How's it going, guys? I'm Zeke. And I'm Jake. And you're listening to the Cinema Sideshow Podcast, Episode 7. Another big week. Here we go, Jake. Another bit. This is a huge week. Huge week. Huge week. Just us two again. Yes. We're back to... Oh, crap. That was last week, wasn't it? Jesse was last uh, yeah, week. Yeah. That, that was, was, that was seven days ago. <laughs> <laughs> what Not a week. seven months ago. What a week. Oh, we have my had... goodness well, gracious me. this week on the show, as per normal, highlights to our weeks and what we've seen in cinema, yep. movies, and Orson Welles' Other Side of the Wind coming up later in the show. Mm. But we've got quite... A bit to get through. Um, this today. might be our most interesting conversation, like our film of the week. This might be the most interesting one. I feel like. Yeah, I'd say so. Very interesting. There's a lot of. Yeah, I won't say anything, but yeah. Well, it's good you're teasing it. I like I'm that. Teasing I it, like yeah. that. Stay tuned. But how are you, Jake? This has probably been a pretty full-on week for this you. This has been an insane week. I mean, for both of us, definitely. Yeah. But but understandably, um, for those who've been following every single week for the podcast. Uh, you might be able to do the math and realize that the disconnected premiere has come and gone. Thank you for listening uh, every week. This past weekend. Yeah, no, thank you very much if you do. Um, no, that was that was an incredible night. And I feel like I should give you some um, applause. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> just, one, as good as... just one set of hands. <laughs> it sounds, it was Insert that, some foley. Yeah, like exactly. Yeah, crowd. you can add a little, yeah, thing. Um, no, that was, that, was just, that was an incredible night. It was funny because I was... Um, there's this video, whenever I work on a production with literally anyone, I tend to send, um, this very specific video from, uh, from this YouTuber, Austin McConnelly that I love. It's probably my favorite YouTuber. Uh, about five years ago, he made his, uh, feature film about an hour Mm -hmm. 10 called Sprouting Orkins. And he did a 30 minute reflective video about that whole experience. And, um, you actually might've noticed I posted it, uh, recently in one of the, yeah, that, that video. Still not watched it. Yeah. Oh, it's it's amazing, dude. It's like it's one of the most heartbreaking, but like such a relatable video about filmmaking. And um, I thought about I thought about that in the sense that I think everyone should watch that video. But relating it to the night that we just had, um, and I just had the Friday night premiere and disconnected. Which for those of you, uh, if you're not sure, it's just a, it's a 47 minute uh film. We've been a calling feature. it a feature because it it's kind of yeah, technically. By the rule of thumb, By it is actually thumb, a feature. Yeah, which is um crazy to think about that. And um, well, I put it, it in my three sixty five challenge as a feature. So yeah, thank you, I appreciate that. Congratulations, thank you, thank you, Zeke. Well, congratulations, you you held the, the uh, panel uh, that night and uh, held a wonderful, wonderful interview with us and the cast. And you know, the funny part of that panel was what at the first part, I was like, I don't want to swear on this panel. Until you swore, and then I was like, "Well, I guess it's fine." The director's swearing. I was like, "I was like trying to be like like real professional." Yeah. Um, it was it was. A good did you panel. swear at all? I don't think you did. I didn't. The yeah, whole I was time. gonna say I don't remember you swearing at all. I don't yeah. like because for in me in that environment, yeah, I like I love doing interviews and I love that sort of. It's kind of like pseudo journalism style. Yeah, exactly. I love really being quite elegant. As possible in that, whereas in podcasts, for some reason, I just don't. A little more free. Yeah. Because it's just starts and we're hanging out and people listen. Exactly. Yeah. But no sort of situations where I don't particularly know most of the panel. Um, Right, exactly. You didn't know everyone very personally. No, really, either. I went actually with James after the premiere and Zach. We went to a couple of bars and just hung out. You were hanging out with Zach? Yeah. Oh, I didn't did know I, that. Did I dog? Did I dog? Oh, a little bit. <laughs> a bit of a bit of goss. Yeah, we no. were just hanging out with Zach. 
No, yeah. I can't. I can't. The most of the cast, like, I got a lot of um after the film and the panel and everything. Like, I got a lot of people coming up to me who absolutely loved the film, which I really appreciated. Um, a lot of the cast, I just kind of lost them in the crowd, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I'll catch up with them soon, I but they go... they seem to love it as well. Was... That was the, what I was most grateful for. I was like, I'm gonna go get a drink with James, and Zach was like, Can I come? And I was like, Sure, of course you can come. Oh man! So then what we went there and went to Moonbar, which is this great bar in the city. Moon, oh man, Moon Cafe. So. It's alright. I I had I had myself. You had a very well. busy night. Once once I got home, I um I did pour myself a good old rum. And, good man. Yeah. No. You need to have your cigar now. Yes. Oh. You haven't had one yet. You're right. It's due. Oh my god. Yeah, you're due for one. Yeah, we got to do that. Um, no, it was. It was. It was. That was an incredible night. I for the Q and A part didn't think it would go as well as it did. Yeah. Personally, it was very I, funny. Uh, it was very funny. A lot of funny people on that. Um, I was a little, was... I was a little worried at first, especially with the supporting cast people being on the panel. Like, I get why. How, what, how much they could get involved Con- in. Yeah, exactly. Because gotcha, yeah. disconnected definitely had a very, for lack of it's a, a pun, pun yeah. intended, a very disconnected production. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> in terms of people were coming in and out. Right. Gotcha. Like all the time so I think a... I think the people um we had we had Monique Brocklehurst, Zachary Cave, um Rebecca Collin and James Mooney who were all part of the cast and you're right, it was very um come and go for a lot of the production issues, but I think well, they lot... all had a good connection to the film. Yeah. Especially yeah. Monique. Absolutely. Been with her for years, yeah. Well that's the thing, and they all had such a range in how how long they'd spent production contact time. Yeah, exactly. And thus you know, they could they could offer what they could offer. So yeah. no, it was, it was, it went pretty well. I, I liked the audience engagement. That was like, it was I, didn't great really, engagement. I, only, I only did like half my questions. Yeah. I noticed that there was a few, the audience a few asked most yeah. of those questions. Nah, I was, think, I think it went different. The audience asked great questions. Exactly. Which, Some well, that to me yeah. is what a Q and A should be. Yeah. So that way more. I was uh, worried if no one was going to ask anything. It was a lot of people with their hands well, up. Well, that's what the, my questions were for. They're more like the, 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 yeah, the, backup, the emergency situation. It. Yeah. That was in fact, awesome. We went over. Yeah, but you did it. You did a great job. I had a lot of people come up to me and said you did a really great job. Yeah, and I was um, like, that's why I picked him. I knew you would be good at it. Yeah. Um, for those who feel like they missed out, I mean, the premiere was amazing, and I can't promise you if you're ever going to see Disconnected on the big screen again just yet. We're still working on it. It looked absolutely gorgeous on those backlot screens. Like that blew my mind. Someone who obviously I've been looking at this for six months straight. I was blown away by the picture quality on the. Well, you only image. get your first premiere once, right? Yeah, exactly. I think we did a pretty good job at it. I think but, we should um, be very proud of it. Yeah. If those who missed the panel, don't be worried. It was recorded. So we had um, Chloe Holmes, who did the photography of the night, which uh, is already up online if you want to look at that. She, uh, she also filmed the actual panel itself, and it looks really good, considering yes. the conditions in the room. It had to video actually came out really, really nice. You know, it's, it's funny when I was thinking about it, because we're doing a lot of corporate stuff now. We're starting yeah. doing a bit, you know, a bit more corporate stuff. I was sitting on the panel when I was, because when I'm hosting it, all I'm thinking in my head is, man, I really wish I, if I wasn't hosting this thing, I'd be like shooting this thing, because I'd be adding like a second, I'd be <laughs> yeah, adding a B camera. Yeah, I'd nice. really go for it. Yeah, because it's just like, it's just portfolio build there. Yeah, exactly. It, no, that's that's a, that's a great one. That was, that was my thing. I was like yeah. seeing the uh, opportunity to get really, you know, kind of fun, have a bit of fun with the... Uh... It, could, it could have been quite fun. I mean, it was a shame because we had we didn't end up shooting on the camera we were meant to. Um, but we were going to use my mm. GH4 for it, and it was not it was not working within the room, so um, Chloe had to whip out her camera. 
mm. which we did not plan to shoot on that night, but it came out really nice. But I agree, it, we we could have gone all out with that. We could have done like three different cameras and stuff like that. But I think I think it really works in itself because it's just the one angle. It's like watching a Comic Con panel. Yeah, it's just like the one angle, and it works really nice as long as the chemistry is there on the stage and the questions are good. Uh, but whenever you I take a camera out around me, all I'm doing is like, what can we do with this? Yeah, it kind which, of, that's fair enough. Which is fun, but that was an amazing night. It was. It was. Yeah. I got to dress up. That yeah, nice. me too. That was that was yeah, that was a big highlight. Up. Yeah, don't get to dress up often without the night going to complete. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I have really nice yeah, yeah. boots, and I really wanted to wear them, but I'd never wear them out partying because I'd get wrecked. Gotcha, so it was yeah. one of those nights where I'm like, yeah, I can wear my really nice boots and yeah. like not worry about them getting destroyed. Hell yeah. No, it was a good night, Jake. So. It, was, it was an amazing night and thank you for coming. Thank you for everyone coming. Uh, we basically we basically sold out. We filled in 47 seats out of 50. Pretty good. So uh, that was a huge achievement that I'm yeah. very proud of. Um, which I was surprised because I wasn't sure up until like the last week. I wasn't sure how the turnout was going to look. And um, we had a great turnout and everyone... But they did really the typical thing that Australian people do and they don't get their tickets until the last possible minute. <laughs> and, isn't uh, that just the funniest I, thing? I that? definitely had a couple of friends. The tickets stopped selling at 7 o'clock and the film was scheduled at 7.30. And I had a couple of um, really close friends come up and be like, we missed that time slot. <laughs> yeah. What, after 7 o'clock? Um, obviously, we gave them a seat anyway and then we'll figure it out later. But... Um, yeah, people leave it the last second a lot, but it, it, made, it made me feel really good on the day of when I started seeing all these emails coming through. I was like, Ooh, Ooh, okay. But it was, yeah, it was an amazing night. Australian people, we don't like to commit too far in advance. <laughs> That's kind of our thing. But no, um, whoever's listening to this, you did come on the night. Thank you so much because not only are you supporting me, uh, everyone who worked on the film, but you're also supporting the, um, local film industry that having Perth that, uh, really it was a very eloquent speech you gave. Thank you. Yeah, I did give a little speech before the film started about that. Because let's be honest, the Perth scene, film-wise, needs as much help as it can get sometimes. It's a little wins. And um, it's still exactly it was the best little win we could have got. Exactly. And I cannot wait to do it again. And my next. You're probably hungry uh, for it. It's like a tattoo. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Like I'm so ready to shoot a new film, and make it like I'm ready to make it look like absolutely gorgeous. Just thinking about that screen. That's there my like go. next thing. I want to make something look gorgeous for that screen specifically because I didn't realize how good it was going to look on that. Well, there's a lot of moving pieces that have started for for both some, of us. For both of us, absolutely. So, um, I definitely did a little bit of fishing that night for one of my upcoming films. Oh, okay. Um, which I'll probably talk to you more about after. Yeah, fair enough. Just teasing to, off the record. <laughs> teasing it right now. But yeah. Um. So my three sixty five. Yeah, I let's beat jump you. into the movies. <laughs> I beat you. I've beaten you. You've done it. You 63. did it. You you officially watched more movies, new films that you had not seen prior. You mm-hmm. watched more films now on the, what is that, 3rd of March? And isn't it funny? Yeah. Uh, then yeah. I watched all of last year combined. It's funny that your film was it's the one inc- that beats it. <laughs> it is two. It is two. Oh, my God. you got to 62 and number 62 oh, is disconnected. I regret making the film now. <laughs> yeah. Number 62 is disconnected. That's so brilliant. I don't know. That was not obviously planned. Yeah, it's no. It's just how it That felt. date was set like a month in advance. So that's, the, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm pretty I'm pretty stoked with that. I love that so much. Technically, I watched much. The Other Side of the Wind earlier in the week, but I always put the movie of the week for the podcast at the gotcha, end of the like week. Gotcha. Like in the, the way it's scheduled um, there. Much gotcha. like I did with Velvet. Buzzsaw and a couple of others. So Disconnected technically is the 
63rd, but will be put down as 62. So. As of today, I've uh, d- Disconnected was uh, number 24. So that's still pretty good. That's it's still pretty, pretty good. That's and, pretty strong and I've now got 26. So I've watched two films since Friday. Oh, you're uh, busy one, weekend. Yeah, one including the film that we're going to talk about later. Absolutely. And another one I'm excited to talk to you about because we talked about it earlier and I finally, I surprisingly got to watch it today. Oh, cool. wow. Get so, into it. Yeah. Films 57 63 worth 2005. Thank you for smoking. I loved it. Um, oh, wow. 500 okay. Days of Summer. Yes, I want to talk to you about this. Okay. Because you've never seen it before. I haven't. What did you think? I um enjoy... Okay. So, I love some things with it. Okay. But there have been movies, like, like that have just hit me harder with, like... Yeah, okay. Then 500... 500 Days didn't get, like, an emotional feel punch out yeah. of it. It got more a relatability mm. complex. Whereas, like, things like... Ten films ago, when I watched Paddleton, I was weeping, and that's a bromance movie. And yeah, like, yeah, I'm like yeah, yeah. really upset by the end of it, and you know, like Eternal Sunshine, which is like my like oh, my darling Eternal film, Sunshine, yeah. and that film just just kicks you in the groin like mm. r- vigorously throughout the film. But I, I liked it, like I liked Five Hundred Days. Okay, yeah, I love the kind of the genre clash, the like. The um, abstract stuff, especially like when they just cut to like, like the narrator talking about them, and then cutting to them as kids. Yeah, and, like, that yeah, weird, yeah. That it's a kooky. Oh, the bit where the, like, I mean, the narrative structure is so well done. Yeah, like, so much planning would have gone into that. And it it is a relatable story. It yeah. is honestly a relatable story, and there's, it's not too on the nose about it. There's a lot of um, like you know, you know, get those little film essay videos and stuff on YouTube. There's a lot of uh, those for this film in particular especially how it handles point of view of character. Yeah. Because this whole film is from Joseph Gottlieb's point of view, and there's some really interesting uh, things. Because it is that that point of view, and you kind of get that 50-50 split of people who think um, uh, Summer, the character of Summer is either a complete bitch or people completely understand why she does and how she does and all that kind of Absolutely. stuff. And it's, it's such a split when you talk to people about and- it. And I find that really interesting. Well, it's a matter of perspective. Exactly, and yeah. you don't get until the tipping point of, what, the second and third act where a character goes, she said she didn't want to date you. Yeah, exactly. She made that proof. That was one of the first things she said to you. And you chose to ignore that and let this unfold. Let the and fantasy take over. Sort yeah, of thing, and yeah. when you hear lines like that, you go, oh, this is a more... Co- this What it is, is it's a romantic co- like comedy, but it's more... Th- thorough in its deconstruction mm. and yeah. understanding and and it's it, it, i gave it a i think a 7.25 i thought it was yep it's probably a little like some would say it's a little harsh i don't i think some of the characters are outside of I, I made a comment that i think webb did really well with the characters of um i think it's tom and summer yeah so the two mains yeah, yeah, some, some. but the supporting is where I really started to wane a little. I think some of their supporting characters didn't offer as much as they could. I okay. Think the performances were a little shaky. I think um, I, I, it's funny because you can see Chloe Grace Moretz was naturally really talented as a kid yeah. actress, but I don't know. I think like her stuff makes it too rom commy. Like it actually takes away okay, from the other because stuff. of her character and stuff. She, well, she's a twelve year old that seems to know every. Yeah, like yeah. She's, which is like that peanuts sort of joke where That's like fair. the the eight year olds tw- like act like adults and 
it, what it does is it's very it's cheerful and it's funny, but it also takes away from I don't know the 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 important the more important stuff. Um, that 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 character. I remember one time I was laughing because I just thought the character was so on the nose written. It was in the bar scene where Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Tom, gets punched. Oh, and yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The douchebag character is so, like, by-the-numbers, like, tool character. Yeah, to exactly. I, I just think that stuff's just... It's a bit silly. Um, and it takes away from the more important, powerful stuff that the film okay. really nails. I, I can see what you point. I think. I mean, this was um, this was Mark Webb's first feature, so I think I think part of that might Oof. have been him feeling the need to add a little more of that comedic aspect to it. Man, he did well. He did pretty well, That's and then insane. he made the bloody Amazing Spider-Man films. So, oh, was he the Amazing Spider-Man? Yeah. Wow. R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of uh, Chloe uh, Grace Moretz, I do want to talk about the fact that I watched Greta today. Oh, I was meant to. I was meant to actually rewatch Green Book today. I see. And then we realized that Greta was playing like at a better time for it was um it was me and Nat and we're like yeah let's go watch it because I was really keen and curious to watch it. What's the verdict? And um the verdict it's not bad. Okay. Which is better than what I was I was really terrified that it was going to be bad, and it wasn't bad. Okay. Um it was in terms of like plotting and pacing that like that's all like serviceable it's all there it's all good. Um it's quite interesting because you know um. Obviously, has a lead. She's really good in the film, even though her character's probably maybe a tiny bit underwritten. But she gets a lot of fun stuff to do in the film. What I'm really glad is they didn't do is uh, watching the trailers and stuff. Like I really liked the concept, mm-hmm. but I was a little worried that they were going to do the the whole film's going to be oh she's trapped in the house and it's like a horror game and she has to get out sort of thing. Most of the movie is not that, which I'm really thankful for. It's actually really, really cool because so she gets uh, would hmm? recommend. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's definitely you it's know a popcorn on a, on a, flick. Def, uh, yeah, it's a popcorn flick. I'll I'll, I'll probably I'll probably give it like a B minus. Okay, because it's very serviceable and um, I really like the way they handle a lot of characters. She um she has a roommate um who's very much like why are you hanging out with this old lady? What's going on? Sort of thing. And as her character kind of kind of starts get stuck. Sorry, kind of starts to get stuck uh, sucked into this whole kind of stalkerish thing that's going on mm-hmm. um, between Greta and... I'm trying to remember her character's name. Um, I, I can't remember Chloe's character's name. Um, she as, as she gets more sucked into it, the roommate, she gets way more compelling mm-hmm. and she plays a cool role towards the end of the film that I actually really loved. And I'm still thinking about the ending, but I think I really do like the ending. The more I think about it, I think it kind of finds a nice little... If no, thing. that's very cool. If anything, it might have dragged a tiny bit. Okay. Maybe the third act drags a tiny bit, but... Oh, it's still, cool. still Man, worth a watch. Out of power weekend for film. Yeah, no. It's been fun. Well, I went from 500 Days of Summer to Upgrade, which couldn't be, like, a more polar <laughs> shift. <laughs> Bit um, of a shift there. Upgrade was, like, a 3 to 5 million film shot in Australia, sci-fi film. I didn't know it was shot here. It was shot here. Oh, that's awesome. Um, honestly, it was, it was entertaining. I had a lot of fun. I watched it with Jack. Jack Bet. Yeah, um, I was meant to catch with you guys. Like, I think I got caught up. Yeah, I think I was. <laughs> I think I was editing disconnected. Probably. I mean, that's what I was doing. <laughs> Probably. Uh, Stranger than Fiction, which we watched. We both watched as, that. Yes, as a, a group of people yeah. went and watched. We all watched that. But um, it was a surprise viewing, which was fun. Yeah. So and, that was. Uh, yeah. Look, I I've probably talked enough about Stranger than Fiction in the last week. It was okay. 
I didn't. I didn't think. Okay, but I haven't. I haven't heard you talk about it very much. Well, I I find that the discussion that we had after watching the film, I enjoyed more than okay. watching the film. Gotcha, so, gotcha. Once you start deconstructing, oh, that absolutely. Sort of thing. Yeah. That stuff. It was like, it may it means I can go back and rewatch the film. I don't see, um, I see the first act as being vastly entertaining, but I still, I think that third act really just kind of gut punches me on like how okay. I was just, I felt like, I feel a bit like it was just, it, it kept going and kept going. And I, I don't know. I, I didn't really buy into the characters. I think Will Ferrell was, he's like, he's okay in it. I think, I think. Like, I think he's pretty. He's definitely more um, reserved in this role. Yeah, you've seen him in like a comedic role, so. especially at that time. It just wasn't my cup of yeah. tea. I can see how people maybe on rewatchability, it'll when we go back, it'll be like more entertaining. Yeah, fair enough. But it feels like a film. There's a lot to pick at the more you watch it. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's the thing. I mean, yeah. the person who recommended, like the person who showed it to us, Glenn, he was like, he didn't enjoy. He, it on the he's first seen viewing. it three, four times, and yeah, he kind of had that experience as well. So maybe it's a, up on one stuff. to go back to for more. I think so. Uh, I really enjoyed the meta narrative. Had our first oh, fail. Our first um, fail. Failing grade. Um, was oh. The film after this. Not Stranger Than Fiction. Special Correspondence. Okay. Directed by Ricky Gervais. And oh. it was not good. Okay. And Eric. That's all Eric you had Banner. to say there right there. <laughs> and it's on Netflix. <laughs> and not I like really want my 90 minutes back. Um, <laughs> so uh, that was 2016. What'd you, what'd you watch, Comedy film. What did you watch the next one? Uh, disconnected. Whoa. Well, man. Um, I've did, seen... Did you I like saw, it? I <laughs> oh, okay. oh that's be, a bit awkward, to, isn't it? Yeah, no, yeah. Did oh, you like it? Did you like um, it? To be fair, um, Zeke, you have seen early... I got early cut or two of... I think yeah. you saw two early cuts of this film. That's a pretty crazy... There's With Disconnected, I don't know if I'll... I'll give it a grade, because there's probably... A, I definitely didn't give it a grade. Because it's I a bias. Sp- I I can't I can't grade it, it. I crossed it out. Yeah. Yeah. I can't I can't give it a grade either because yeah. it's it just it's too intro like interwoven into right. my life to be like you've literally helped on the film you've seen early cuts and stuff I'm in so. the film you're in, you're in the film you have a little so cameo I'm in in it twice <laughs> um, two cameos. in the space of about two minutes <laughs> uh, as two different characters one so. scene you're two completely different characters yeah so. <laughs> That's so good. But it was an it was just an, an experience, and it deserves to be on the list because it's a feature, and I watched it, and technically it's my first official viewing of the official film. Yeah, that's why I so, claimed it the same as well. That was the first time I saw it. But it's wrong it. to give it. A, I will put it up, and I will say I will not give this a grade. I definitely want to. Um, if you want to ask how I if I enjoyed it, oh I no. did enjoy it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I did enjoy it. Good. There are aspects that. I would like to. I would talk we've, to you about. We've already talked about certain things. Are, I feel like, yeah. Yep. There is. There's things that. I, it's a film that I, when it comes out, it probably we'll yeah. talk about it when it actually gets what released. I, what I do want to do later in the year, um, we do plan on doing like a DVD release or something like that. So one, once there's that easy access for people to go out and buy it, I would love to talk about it with you in more depth. Yeah. On the show, because I'll that come out guns are blazing, guns blazing, oh, no. guns are blazing. Oh, do no. like a jewel of films. Maybe I'll have a feature by then. That we can jewel them. <laughs> jewel of features. Yeah, feature like off. Um, feature and off. then of course the other side of the wind, which we'll talk about 
very shortly in the show. Uh, anything happening in our film career lately? We kind of covered that already. We covered a lot of that. Um, I'm not ready to talk about um, the next thing. I did talk... I mean, Estrange is no secret for me. That is another short I'm doing. There's no secret. It's been out there, but I'm not ready to talk about that yet. But um, No, that's... I know, I mean, you got a lot of stuff going on, but we haven't talked. Are you in that stage yet? What? With talking about... The stuff you're working on. There's a short film that's probably really going to start rolling its wheels, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, um, Mm. as you know about it. Not really ready to talk about it just yet. I think that I really would like to lock in some stuff with that before going further, but I think it'll be the most ambitious thing I've done Awesome. To this point. At the sound of that. Um, I really was telling Jack, who Jack Bet, who um, is obviously one of our ZKJ family ZKJ members. ZKJ boys. Um, and we were talking about some of the early pre-production plans that we have mm. for it and kind of Exciting. the more monetary side um, and addressing that. So, um, yeah, hopefully I'll be able to talk about it in a couple of, uh, maybe a month or so. Yeah, I think I think we're definitely we're both having a bit of a uh, gap times to just figure out kind of the next steps. I've certainly got a lot of directions I'm headed in, but I'm just not ready to talk well, about any of that yet. We do have a couple of uh, opportunities in the next couple of months to be whipping out a couple of more smaller, yeah, smaller one one off things, more like cradle, um, just just exciting, just yeah. to do with our course, even you know, like that sort of some of the uh, units assignments are to make yeah, three four minute films so so those that, would definitely be they have to be done essentially but they're, <laughs> like the, they're going to be the ones that it's like the script will come out and we'll be like oh we're going to make this and then we make it and then it's done and yeah. then it's like there yeah, it's another another little uh catalog yeah. item i think we've got some exciting stuff coming up i but, reckon um, we are yeah i think we're in for an exciting part yeah. but i'm ready to move into our movie of the week jake are you ready to move into our movie i of the week? sure am Zeke. coming up it. in the show we've got orson wells as the other side of the wind um I was really keen to see this film. I'm mm. a huge Orson Welles fan, but I will talk about that in the second half of the show. So stick around. Mm. Jay can't afford the Ernest Hemingway of the cinema. Mr. Hannibal, I just want to know what he represents. The man is infested with disciples. I'm the apostle. Orson Welles is a cinematic icon, and with this film sitting in post-production for three decades, it is now available to see on Netflix. Uh, the Other Side of the Wind uh, entails a Hollywood director emerges from a semi-exile with plans to complete work on an innovative motion picture. A framed and infamous movie director, J.J. Hannafold, dies in a car accident. He was about to release his latest film and a documentary camera crew had been following him around in the days preceding his death. We see the events leading up to his death, the careers that Hannibal has destroyed, the enemies he made, and his last film, The Other Side of the Wind. You know what? This is pretty crazy that you've just released a film and now watching a film about a dude who makes films and how he affects people's lives by making his films. It's... That's really trippy. There's a dude. lot of there's a lot of meta. That's so stuff. trippy. This has been a meta week. Does this mean I'm uh, gonna die soon? Mmm. Mm. And that and disconnected is your dying masterpiece. Yeah. Well. <laughs> 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 All right, Jake. <laughs> so I have been okay. a huge Orson Welles fan. Yeah. For he's probably actually honestly, if I look back on what really the when the the like the switch flipped it was my 
watching, and technically it's Carol Reed's The Third Man. Gotcha. But Orson Welles, for many years, claimed that he wrote most of that script and directed okay. most of that film, even though Carol Reed's name is on the top of it. Um, because Orson Welles, as we all know, is a cinematic icon. He mm. is someone who was synonymous with... The 1940s cinema, one of the golden decades of cinema. Really? The entirety of the 20th century? Yes. Really, if you really think about it, yeah. And I think for a lot of filmmakers, he was a big part. It didn't matter what aspect of cinema, wherever it was cinematography, mm. script writing, sound. Um, this man was synonymous with a lot of amazingly innovative films for mm. his time. Um, I mean, a touch of a touch of evil is like synonymous for that one shot that starts the film. Yeah, and the sound mixing, which an entire plot's shaped around sound, in which when that f- that film was first released, the studios didn't like how innovative it was. They mm. streamlined the plot, and it didn't get. And I think it was like twenty years before they made the actual version that Orson Welles yeah. wanted to make. And then this film that sits in the back room. For three decades. It's just so fascinating, that whole like story. Yeah. Well, we're trying to bring a bit of unique culture, not quite dog tooth level of uh <laughs> crazy, but it's a different yeah, it's a fun one. level. So what's the verdict, Jake? Um wow, okay. So again, like you know, like most weeks I leave it pretty late. Um I really gotta try I mean, I don't know if we have much choice for our next week's um, film which we'll get to later um but I'll, I'll always leave it pretty late watching this film so it's a pretty fresh opinion it's interesting because i think i think this film benefits mostly from the historical um context of it and if you go into this film not really i mean it, it the very start of the film does explain what's going on yes that this is you know this is his film. Um, this is kind of a very, very, very brief synopsis of the production struggles. And this is how this film exists today. So it does kind of explain that. So you can't really escape that sm- like rudimentary, uh, rudimental level of information and the context of this film. That being said, it is definitely the most interesting part of this film and it definitely shapes the way you watch it. Absolutely. Um, that being said, it was interesting because, it, again, it felt like watching something. It was It was a... Something of its time, yet unreleased until now, and we can obviously watch it through this uh, fresh perspective. Absolutely. Um, that being said, I swear I'm not dodging the question. <laughs> no, I think that was the most political answer <laughs> ever. It was a very political answer. Uh, so next question. No, I think ugh, this film's interesting. I think I'm going to forget it pretty quickly, to be honest. Yeah. But... It was it was definitely interesting watching it. It was definitely fascinating to just watch it and kind of see how all these decisions were made and to think about the context of it all. That's a really hard question you just asked me, it's, to be honest. It is a very... Um, this film's very tricky mm. because some weeks we do watch films. I think we've gone real back-to-back weeks on films that are not for everyone. Yeah. Like, I can't see a general viewer watching a film like this. I think this yeah. film is a real homage to the cinematic enthusiasts. Yeah. You know, like the people that who love going to film festivals, who love who love seeing more art house based stuff. Yeah. And that's fine. 
Um, and it's going to be funny given what we're going to be watching next week in contrast to this. So it's going to be just a little teaser. I love you. it. Um, okay. In the sense of the context of the film, obviously. Yep, yep, yep. Now, there are some massive technical errors that, like, technical, like. None of that bothered me whatsoever. But it doesn't bother you, exactly. Yeah. Because you have to let that stuff sit because of just the context of the film. And I think. I wanted to use more this film, not, not uh, like, I would love to go into, like, details of how we, mm. like, enjoyed aspects of it, Yeah. but this film is more a platform for discussing, you know, Orson Welles, and I'm sure when we do our more director corner stuff, he'll come up one time he'll come and we'll up get to watch. Point, yeah. God, I, 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 okay, we'll have to pick a film from Orson <laughs> Welles' catalogue that I haven't watched, which will be tricky, um... But I think I just wanted to take the time because I thought this was a fascinating thing to one have available on Netflix. It is just... an interesting. Netflix are taking over, man. Yeah, they're taking over. It's I don't know how I feel about that, especially after Friday, which again a contextual thing. You know, seeing my screen, my film on the big screen, just completely reaffirmed my position on yeah. Netflix versus big screen viewing versus how one watches films, and this film was created decades before Netflix existed. Exactly. Or before anyone of that era knew what it meant to be a film that you stream online. You know? It's like that whole Bandersnatch kind of little plot line when he he becomes Mm. self-aware. He's a Netflix show. And it's like, he's like, what is that? Because obviously that takes place decades earlier as well. It had that... You're right. It's so interesting because it's on Netflix. Yeah. That's so weird. And the funny thing is to look back on this film that was... I think shot in um, 1983. Um, no, it was shot in the 70s, wasn't it? I'll have to check this. I think, it was, like, I think it was like 71 to 76 or something. It was like it was years quick, of them shooting it. Quick fact I think check. Didn't he die in He 80? passed away in 85. 85, okay. So this was shot, first half was shot in, you are correct, 74 to 76. Yeah, I only looked it up really recently, so yeah. Um, so it actually took 48 years. For this film. Oh my god. I thought god. it was 38, but it's Okay, so it was actually the closest to five decades. So it's closest to five decades instead of Jesus. three. So that's pretty crazy. But yeah, honestly, um I've really enjoyed this film. Uh, I think it's it's clearly got a very strong plot mm. and a strong message in it. And it it goes to show this man was still creating stuff. The whole like the 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 thing is to be like very close. I know that, like, I think the last, it was a, a 76, so that's like eight years before he passed away, and then uh, the, yeah. the film just didn't get completed. But to be that dedicated as an artist, it's an interesting film to be talking about because of, especially where you are following this last week. Yeah. Um, to have this this film come up was just really meta week this week. <laughs> Very um, meta indeed. This is a good week for film. But, yeah. No, I, I I enjoyed the film. I enjoy what the film represents. Mm. Um, and it's a fascinating just context, really. I think that that alone would be why I'd recommend this film if you're a real cinebuff. Well, it's something that um Jesse on our show last week was talking about because he was talking about Dogma in the sense... Uh, sorry, Dogma. Dogtooth. Jesus Christ. Uh, and he was, so he was talking about some of the, the context behind that film. It's like, we can go watch that film, but it's like, then you realise the cultural significance that Dogtooth had yeah. on its country of origin and like worldwide and that kind of stuff and how it helped the director, um, you know, grow to uh, their level of, I don't want to say fame, but their level of, I guess, status now. 
and this film definitely has way more interesting context in regards to that, but it's it's like what Jesse was talking about. It just makes the film so much more interesting, especially when the story people care about is how this film was created, I guess, more so than the actual film itself. I guess. Because yeah. I didn't find any of that to be interesting, in all honesty. The actual plot of the film, what was happening in the film, I didn't find that too interesting. Not engaging at all? Uh, I wouldn't say at all. Like I like I was having fun with the scenes. I liked the dialogue and the mm-hmm. like the exchange. Particular. They're like, always I like... intellectual exchanges. Yeah, yeah like yeah. I like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I just think on a on that level of character and plot and stuff, I just didn't find that nearly as engaging as the actual fact that this was made almost fifty years ago. Well, I think it's interesting to think that most of the cast members are not alive anymore. Exactly. And then it's like, oh, by the way. Film. I mean, from the creators to the cast members, that's pretty crazy. Like, There's, um, like... I want to bring it up. No, you keep talking because I want to bring up something that I read on the Wikipedia page oh, in regards okay. to that in terms of the actors who have passed away since the film came yeah, out. Yeah, no, it's, um, I, I myself in, enjoyed this film. I, um, I found the plot kind of, look, I can see where you're coming from with it. I just find, I find all of his writing very intriguing because okay. it was a very intellectual. Yeah, speak in Wells films. It's never things aren't said for no reason. I think that's a yeah exactly big, big thing that he just got, and it always comes back to the fact that Wells, who was like synonymous with the forties and the fifties, it comes from that shift that we had in the late twenties when sound was introduced into cinema, mm. and all the scriptwriters for all of the silent films didn't know how to write scripts. Yeah, so it became like, a whole new thing. You look at, like, uh, last year I watched the original King Kong for the first time. That's right. And, yeah. sure, there are some astronomically fascinating things being done with sound in that film and animation. The first film, I believe, to ever have its own original soundtrack. Yes. Yeah. And Les Motif was born in that film. So, uh, um, yeah, that concept. Um, but the writing, like, the story writing, the character writing... It's clunky. It's it's yeah, uh, it's yeah. unrefined. It's not. We're still ten years away because we needed the next generation of people that were raised in sound and to cinema to figure it out. To yeah. figure out how to write a script, and that's what this man did. And to have a film come out, well, that would be th- like thirty years after he passed away. Mm. That's pretty. That's just. It's amazing. I think it's very impressive that it holds up in that regard. I mean, he's a, yeah. he makes classic films, of course. Yes. But um, I think that is something to point out. Like, all the dialogue and everything you're talking about, I did enjoy that. I just, I can tell, I can already see it being, like, enjoyment within that circle. It's not something that I'm going to recall upon in the near future. No, exactly. Especially when so. you look at his catalogue and all the other amazing yeah. moments. In Although, I did write down, there's a line towards the very end of the film um, where he says, so, you came to my party after all. I feel like if this film came out in the 70s, that would be a classic line that people would remember today. Yeah. I feel like it's one of those lines. It's like, so you came to my party after all. But he is, he said, like, I remember the first time I watched The Third Man, which is mm. probably, and that cuckoo clock scene when he's riding the uh, Ferris wheel. Yeah. And he talks about how war basically brings innovation, but he says it so eloquently, and it's him delivering it. And you just. And he, in history, is regarded he wrote that scene and how that scene was structured. And I remember seeing that. And to, I think I actually talked about it in my first year when we had to present a, 
uh, a genre and I had to talk about a scene oh, in film. Oh, that's right. And I talked yeah. about that scene in film because I was like, this is power right yeah. here. The way this scene is shot, it's shot with thought, it's shot with intelligence. And, yeah. and he was just, he was just, I mean, it's like, it's one of those people you want to be. Like, and oh, to have, of course. To have that iconic legacy, to have filmmakers 30, like, you know, f- like far out, like like forty eight years, years forty eight years yeah. later. Go, he this work deserves to be showcased. Yeah, we need to get this out there because that's the legacy left for those people in those forty eight. Like in the forty eight years it took to make, so in the thirty years in which it just sat on a shelf, mm. um, you know, it, for them, for someone to look back on that and go, well, this man was so iconic to the twentieth century. This film's important. Needs to get. You can now say finished. he's made a film. A guy who didn't even make it to the 21st century, has a film in the 21st century. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That is that is really cool. I do want to bring this up. Um, I am quoting uh, Wikipedia, so, you know, give me give me some slack here. <laughs> but um, there is some interesting stuff I found in regards to the cast members. And you're right, it's been 48 years, so a lot of them have passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what it says. Due to the 48 years taken for the film to be completed and the advanced age of many of the actors playing Hollywood veterans... Uh, as we noticed that a lot of the cast themselves are actually already quite, you know, well aged, as, yes. as this article says, you know, because they're meant to be playing these legends yeah, and age. such. Yeah. Exactly. Um, most cast members died uh, long before the film's 2018 release. The two, uh, the first two major cast members to pass away here was uh, Stafford Rep in uh, November 1974, before principal photography had even completed. So he actually died before they even finished shooting. That's pretty crazy. Which is, uh, <laughs> if you think about it. Is just unfortunate, yeah. and uh, and Norman Foster in July uh, 1976, only six months after filming had wrapped. Both had shot all of their scenes in the first half of 1974. Other cast members who died before the film's 2018 release include uh, Houston. I'm gonna uh, butcher some of these names. Apologies. Uh, Strasberg, uh, Palmer, O'Brien, uh, McCambridge, Mitchell, Stewart, Sewart, Stewart, and Selwood. Ah, oh, so uh, Torben, Carol, uh, Ruben, uh, Hopper, Harrington. There's a lot of names here. I'm actually just skipping a few, to be honest. Uh, mm-hmm. Wilson, Graver. Um, there's a few people who play themselves, obviously. Um, and, of, of course, Wells himself, who actually, he cameos as an off-screen journalist in this film, which I didn't you know can tell. before. You can tell? It's his voice. He's okay, a, I don't know his voice, so. Okay. Well, his voice is, yeah. It's you, You're like... This film, actually, you know, the funny part about this is... Yep. Because a lot of these people play themselves. Like, yeah, they, they are... Yeah, they're playing themselves. Hollywood veterans who are actually playing themselves. It's got, like, that sort of, like... Well, it's a meta film in itself, but it's almost got elements of, like... And I don't... I would hate to compare this, but, like, when you watch <laughs> This Is The End and you watch all of those comedic <laughs> actors... Right, in a yeah. Ridiculous no, it's situation. not a bad comparison. Well, I think it's why people appreciate that stuff because what it is is it, it, it humanizes people that are often regarded as deities. Yeah, you know, I, they're iconized people, which is ironic given what happened to this film. But yeah, exactly. No, that's crazy. Um, there's even a there's actually a little special part here for Selwood, who I just mentioned earlier. Uh, he was in his late seventies when he was acting in it, and he actually considered it his swan song for his acting career. That's- and he lived up until 2002, aged 106, and still never saw his performance in the film, which he was very upset about. That's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, even after he died, he was like, oh, no. 
And I can confirm that through fact. Well, that's a joke that did not land. No, that's sad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It, it, that's insane, though. That's yeah, insane. This film's an experience, and the it's one of those things. It's funny we were talking earlier with. I think this film is more a an experience in which you walk away from, and you want to look into more stuff about it. Yeah, and talking about it with people. It's. I think it fits in that that stranger than fiction realm of like talking about the film and where it sits. Yeah, it really helps put your perspective on where well, to go. And it, it makes the film more enjoyable. Mm. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be going back to it anytime soon. I'd love to go okay. back to it, maybe in a decade or so, and be like, Jesus Christ! Like I'm watching an Orson Welles film from 2018. Yeah, <laughs> which is just like that's insane. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I would recommend it if you're a Cinnabuff. Like, it goes in the Dogtooth realm. Yeah. No, I, d- I definitely... You're right. I, would, I don't know if I... I mean, I would recommend this to general audiences easily, more easily than Dogtooth, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, because, again, that context is put at the front. I will, I will say, I was actually incredibly confused because even though you explained it and everything last week before we went to watch this, I kind of watched this cold... Um, without doing any extra research. Yep. And I got confused whether this was actually a half documentary, half the actual film itself. Okay. And I spent the first, like, 20 minutes of this film not sure if the whole mockumentary story (laughs) was the actual documentation of them doing the film. I got really confused at first. And then I obviously figured it out that it's like, okay, it's we're watching a film that's them talking about a film. Yes. But they've added that third layer because there's... There's this um, external knowledge, even in the film, at the very f- at the very front of it, mm-hmm. being like this is something that was made years and years ago. So there's almost a film within a film within a film going on here. It's ridiculous. And filmception. Filmception. Wow. <laughs> um. I was going to say Chris Nolan. Yeah. And then you just put it perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's. Um, I agree, and I think this is like uh, this is a film that I hope people would watch. And if they had never seen an Orson Welles film, they go back, they look themselves they in the back. mirror, and then they say they are not a really cin- they're not a cinema fan until they've watched at least one good Orson Welles film. Yeah, which I could. It's gonna be hard to find a bad one. Exactly, <laughs> not hard. Just, uh, just go go watch Touch of Evil, or go watch The Third Man, or go yeah. watch Citizen Kane, which is like the most obvious one of all of them, but just watch it. I would love to actually watch the film that's within this film that they're obviously yeah. watching throughout. That actually gave me a really cool, like, Planet of the Apes vibe sort of thing that I was like, I really kind of want to watch. I mean, you kind of see it yeah. anyway, but I don't know. That actually grabbed me a little bit more than the um, actual plot that's laid on top of that, to be honest, even though I love all the like dialogue mm-hmm. and stuff like we talked about that. But um, I don't know. There's something really interesting about that. Well, but, um, I'd say we're uh, pretty much sold this film. Jake, you've got yeah. any highlights? You've already taken my highlight I do. scene. I have. Yeah, that Wait, line was that, line? That, that sequence. Like I don't know, I just really enjoyed that sequence, and it actually was my highlight scene for this film. All right, if I had a highlight scene, I mean, I love the scene where they're shooting the dummies. Like that just gets really exciting there. But I think going back to that meta film that we're talking about, I mean, my favorite scene is when. They, it's the it's the naked girl and that guy. I, I'm, I'm trying to remember the names. Um, 
and they're kind of chasing each other throughout the whole meta film that's going on mm-hmm. and then they're kind of on top of this like weird wide cage thing and they start you know having sex or whatever's going on there now <laughs> and um and then he storms off and it pulls out and you see all the crew that's around he starts storming off and then the guy on the megaphone's like giving him crap and be like, yep, all right, see ya, that's fine, bye. I love those, like, that was a great re- curtain reveal sort of stuff. Yeah, oh. that was, like, a brilliant little moment there. And the fact that that's, like, a part of the actual film itself that the characters in this film have put into their meta film, that was quite clever. And I was like, I think that's my probably my favourite scene. There we go. Well, oh, yeah. the other side of the wind, Orson Welles, the other side of the wind, I'm going to say that all day long, <laughs> is uh, out on Netflix right that. now. I would want to see it. Is this one of the first mockumentaries ever made? I really want to check this now. I have done a little research. There's a few mockumentaries that came out technically before they started shooting. Okay. It's definitely one of the first up there. There was something called The Clowns that came out in 1970. Mm-hmm. That's apparently a mockumentary. Uh, there's one that The Beatles, where they do the... Uh, the uh, What did you just mention, literally, with James Franco? Is this This Is The End or The World's End? That's This Is The End. This Is it? The End. I always get those two mixed up. Um, it was actually very similar to that, but with The Beatles, they did a mockumentary about themselves acting as like exaggerated versions of themselves. That's pretty cool. Which is interesting because... I know Spinal yeah. Tap did one. Spinal Tap did one. That, surely that was after the 70s, though. I think that was the 80s. Yeah. So. Surely. Oh, my God. Which I have not oh, seen it, and it's on my list. I'm adding it to the Michael list. Michael McKean. Add it to the list. Add it to the we list. We can't go one episode without adding add it, it to the adding list. Adding it to the list. Um, yeah, so, and, and there was another one called um, David Holzman's Diary, which is 1967. But that Beatles one came out in 1964. I think that's actually like one of the first wow. documentaries ever made. God, the Beatles, can they just like stop taking all the firsts? <laughs> um, but, but yeah, um, yeah, would you recommend it? Yes, just because of the historical context, and like it's such a fascinating film, and like you said, more for film buffs, I think they would find this Absolutely. way more interesting. But I, I don't know if I would recommend this to like, you know, my mate from high school sort of thing who no. doesn't really do film. I think know. that's a fair, fair, fair shake of the monkey's tail. What? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You uh, and your expressions, man. Oh my god! New to cinemas this week, Jake. Boy. This Boy. top one, I am so excited for. Oh, I've waited seven or eight months for this film, okay. and I need to find where it's playing. I'm going to assume it's playing at Luna. The Sisters Brothers, okay. John C. Riley, Joaquin Phoenix are outlaw, oh, outlaw cowboys. That does sound awesome. And it's like a comedy drama. Did this take like ages to get made? Is that what the? No, you, no, you're it just, just excited. Did a festival run. It did a festival. Gotcha, run. gotcha, gotcha. So gotcha. it's been. It's a smaller film, but I heard when I heard about this film, Film Spotting covered it like ages ago so I they've was, seen it they've seen it yep um because they're film spotting um <laughs> and i was just like i need to see this film i need to see it i'm hoping that i can find a place to go see it and we go see it because it's a western i'll be that, down to watch it's that a you. comedy western which i know is a tricky genre to try and yeah, i mean seth MacFarlane definitely bloody fucked it up <laughs> <laughs> So, Actually, I won't even lie. I have my um every week. I have you know we talk about every week mm-hmm. my films that I play on while I go to bed, and I've uh, I I just couldn't. I've actually reorganized all my Blu-rays and stuff, so it's all in my room now. Oh, okay. It's all very nicely clean and neat. Kind of like m- me and Jack with our trophy cabinet rooms. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. like it looks all nice and clean. Every I got all my Blu-rays in one spot now, which is very calming for me. Um, and then, so I decided to start watching season eighteen of Family Guy on DVD that I got for Christmas. 
as like my go-to. And uh, like, oh the god, that show is so dumb. But I sort of laughed during it. And they made a joke about a million ways to die in the West. And, <laughs> and it's one of the characters that Simpic Farland voices. He makes the joke. That's pretty good. Which I thought that was kind of clever. It's like, okay, good. they know it's shit. <laughs> yeah, Thank God. Embarrassing that movie. Embarrassing anyway, shit. Everybody knows. Don't know about that one. Uh, the house that Jack built, which according to Finally Jack Bebb, thinks is could be pretty good or really bad. So I don't mm. know which one that one is. We'll take a looky looky. The price of everything is a documentary. Came out this way, kind of uh, in the Food Inc. realm. Theater documentary. I do believe so. Cool, cool. Theater documentary. And there's one other film that comes out over the next week. Yes, next week on the show, we'll get our second guest in. Jack Bett will feature with us. I'm so glad Jack's coming back. I'm glad after two seasons of Blue Velvet Podcast, who everyone knows Jack started that podcast with me and technically Keenan Bailey. Um, True. <laughs> yeah. And I you featured so much. especially heavily towards the end Se- of that season. Shows. Season two, I was in a lot of that. I think you were pretty much I a staple. Mo- most of season place. two. Yeah, you were in most of season two. Um, <laughs> I guess start to talk about evasion in season one. One. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. That's amazing. Oh, poor evasion. Oh. <laughs> we talk so much crap about it on Friday. <laughs> It's ever evading. Oh, um, one day, everyone. I swear to God, this film will come out one day. Um, so why is Jack Bett joining us next so week? Next week on the show, we are reviewing Anna Bowden and Ryan Flex, Marvel's Captain Marvel. So, scrolls are the bad guys. It has two directors? It does. It's co-directed. And it stars Brie Larson, Samuel Jackson, and Jude Law. Captain Marvel gets caught in the middle of a galactic war between two alien races. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Bit of a diversion. They couldn't... Marvel! Disney! You couldn't even get... You, you finally get a female director to do a female superhero. You can't even get... The, it's like, no, we still need at least one guy to help this out. Okay, so I've done some, I've done some research on this. Okay. And I, I'm, I don't Come want to get into on, too much because obviously most of it I want to put in next week's episode. But Jack Bett will be joining us, our second guest on the show... I'm excited uh, for that one. Oh, God, I'm so scared. Ryan, no. I'm so scared. I'm so scared. We have oh. to try and like, keep him on topic. It'll be interesting. I thought they did the bloody Wonder Woman thing. They got a female director to do this female superhero. <laughs> they got a guy in there to go to No. That's not no. good. We're not off to a good start. We'll hopefully see that Come Wednesday. On, I think we're going to see the midnight screening for it. I am not keen at all for this film. I'm curious. I want to see. Curious is not it, keen, though. Yeah, curious fair is enough. curious. It's going to lead into Endgame, which I am very excited for. Yes. Um, I think this film will be the thing where we trip when we're almost at the finish line. This is what I'm... I have a very low bar for this gotcha, film. Okay. Which might mean I'm going to be pleasantly surprised, because it's kind of what happened with Wonder Woman. At that point, we had been punched so many times in the gut by DC <laughs> that uh, when Wonder Woman came around, everyone thought it was... Saving Everyone gave grace. it a bit too much hype, but it was the best thing. That it was DC definitely the best thing they've done. They've yes, played. the only thing that just wasn't like straight up bad. It was actually decent at worst, which yes. is what you need from DC at this point. Exactly. Uh, what was and the take on Aquaman? Because I just didn't even care. Dumb fun is the biggest. Knew what it was. So uh, even but that, I, man. I don't. Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, if I want dumb, f- I like. 
I just saw the trailer today. Jack showed me the trailer for um, Sorry to Bother You, which is coming okay. out on DVD in a couple of weeks. And that film looks funny. And that was that was a pretty critically acclaimed film last year that came out. It's yeah. like a, uh, I don't know if you heard a lot about it, but I will... I've I, not heard much about it. Hopefully no. we'll get to sit down and watch that together because yeah. I think it'll be a blast. It's very kooky. So kooky. I like that. kooky in films. Um, before we finish up, I know we're getting towards the end. I just I wanted to give a shout out. We did obviously we did some of our Oscar picks. Like we just threw a couple of quick ones yes. last week. Um, just that was quick. Correct. Just quick. Was that correct? Did I say Green Book? Did you? No, I didn't. I said Roma. Uh, I said I said the favor will get it, but the Roma deserves. It. I did not expect Green Book whatsoever. That shocked me when yeah. I read that. I mean, we went and saw it too and enjoyed it. Yeah, but, just, and I almost rewatched it today, which I would have got bad. We watched Greta instead, which I'm kind of glad I did because I would yeah, rather watch different. something I haven't seen before. But um, just such an interesting pick because I'm we had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, it was you, me, and James. But then that comes then, down to experience. That's again, an experience. Too. Yeah, I, it's not a it's not a best picture film. You have Roma. Yeah, Roma has so much more interesting things to say. Beautiful thing. And uh, to be fair, if you if you're gonna vote a film. That is um basically, uh, what's the word, like, out of, out of the eight films, you've got three films, uh, uh, films that explore into you know black culture and that kind of thing. And if they were gonna pick one of those three, at least it wasn't Black Panther. Yeah, exactly. No, definitely got, has the um, list. it's screenplay, um, which I like. It got the screenplay, which that was an awesome like reaction. That little yeah. little clip there that they had. That was that was awesome. And Black Panther did win like three Oscars. Yeah, it got. Costume it, it got costume, it got original soundtrack, soundtrack, and Jesus Christ. Yeah, all right. When you have the favorite and Black Panther beats it over in costume, costume and stuff, like come on, man. I don't know. I guess the favorite you can make the you know there's all these historical films. I don't know, man. It's just it's weird. But I did call it. I did call it for the best supporting. You did actor. I did call that, and I'm pretty sure I did call. Um, Rami Malik doing best actor. I'm pretty sure I called that. Yeah, look, no surprise there. This I'm hoping there is one thing I want to bring up. Okay, and before we finish, um, didn't see it, didn't watch the Oscars, but um, I watched a lot of clips afterwards. But yeah, sounds like it was a more tighter ship this year, which it's getting. They had the right no direction. host, so you would hope so, eh? But it's still, I think, one of two things. One. If you're going up for multiple awards, don't do a big speech every time you're going up for multiple <laughs> multiple awards. Right, because you have um, best director and best cinematographer was the same person. Yes, so there's no point in that. Um, not everyone has to do a profound speech. I think at the Oscars, I think if I just think it's a silly platform to do profound speeches. Um, I mean, it gets a lot of viewership. I guess it's I can good, understand well, it's the it. in history yeah, right uh, now. The is this? I was actually going to ask this one. That just, I know the one that was last year was the last lowest. one was the worst. I'm really curious what happened this year. Yeah, I think it will go spike because there was a lot of interesting stories. People love Bohemian Rhapsody. And that was up for a lot of awards. Black Panther was up for a lot of awards. Yeah, I think it actually would have been way better this year, especially because it was shorter. I'm guessing. I think um, that's thing, and also I think if a film gets nominated for Best Picture. It shouldn't get uh, in Roma's case. It shouldn't get nominated for best foreign picture too. Okay. I think you should only because I mean it worked out in the end for them. <laughs> well, yeah, because they won the foreign picture, but they didn't win best picture. But I think that's weird because it's like if you're in the best picture category, 
you're in the best encompassing films yeah. of the year. And then there's the best foreign picture, which is basically like going... It's it basically it's not a minor league trophy, you know. It's not. I mean, like, it kind of is, which is stupid. It shouldn't be. Yeah, but it's definitely treated as. But a, I feel like if Roma, if Roma or any film gets nominated for best picture, mm. because wouldn't I can uh, understand that? Yes, because what's like when it's best foreign speak like best foreign picture is non English speaking films. Yeah. But, like, but if only one of those gets nominated for Best Picture, then it's clear where the favoritism's laying. Yeah, we with. know who's winning that one then. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I, I don't understand that. I think if I think Roma is like you're in the best eight films of the year technically by the Academy, you're recognised yeah. as the best uh, mainstream films of um, the year. So yeah. you should not be put in the the foreign category because that you could be potentially taking away from a smaller film, a film that's not yeah, getting I can as absolutely much, understand that. Um, praise. And I think mm. that, you know, that's a big thing. Same thing with documentary. If you get nominated for Best doc, Like, if your documentary gets nominated for Best Picture... Okay. Is I that think, historically very common? No. No. We, but I yeah. think it does happen occasionally. Well, I guess, I guess the same thing probably happens with Best Picture, Best Foreign Film. Yeah. I think it may be a little more common... But I think you're right. I think it's if you get nominated right. for best picture, you're just in the best picture category. You shouldn't yeah. be in the uh, the smaller subcategories because you know you're the best doc. I guess you know you're the best documentary or the best foreign picture. But it's like, eh, you, you, you give it I someone think, else. I think, I think documentary is a little different from best foreign film because best picture and best foreign film literally mean the same thing. Yeah, they're talking about the overalls, but it, in terms of best picture versus best documentary. There could be a film that, from a documentary standpoint, because it's still just a genre at the end of the day. It's as if they started doing best comedy, best horror, all that kind of stuff. Um, well, okay, I can kind of understand that. Last thing we want to talk about, we'll just throw it out there. Yeah, because it was a it was a a, po- a point in the night that popular Oscar award that they were thinking about bringing in. It's the only reason Black Panther was even in the Best Picture award is because they had to can that the yeah. the most popular film or whatever. It was. But do you think it's okay to have it? No. No, I don't want to because then it's because then it's it starts to it 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 further divides the the idea of the blockbuster film versus the auteur or kind of indie um, film, which you know we talked about Chris Nolan a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. He he's someone who very much tries to combine those two. He makes blockbuster films, but he makes films that say something and are very intimate in a in a non blockbuster way. And I think we need to do the most we can to make that less of a divide okay in terms of black panther and black klansman are two completely different styles of films because one had a bigger budget you know i think we need to eliminate that idea so that's why i don't like the best popular film very well said jake diagrella oh, well, thank you very much what do, are you similar or i think that's taking the words right out of my mouth oh well, there you go i actually couldn't even put better myself so that's uh i think that's that's it for this week Leave it on a profound note. Profound <laughs> note. I was Zeke Morgan Hine. I was Jake D. Agrella. And we'll catch you next week. Beautiful.